Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Today is Tuesday, right? Take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesdays. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us a part of your Tuesday. We greatly appreciate it. Gordon, what's happening over there? Hey, I'm just hanging out. Having a good day? Yeah, beautiful day outside today. Um, yeah, I feel good. How do you feel? I'm fine. You're wearing your Walgreens hat? Wearing my Nationals hat because we are world champs. And you uh, have accused me of abandoning my fandom shortly after they won. Yeah. But I will never do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just never saw you wear it before they, uh, you know, were world champions. That's not my problem. If your memory cheated on their way, too. If your memory is leaving you. Uh, How dare you, sir? Even uh, even mention that wouldn't that be just? I mean, Austin, that would be that would be rich if we found out that the Expos were cheating. Never. You mean the Nationals? <laughs> no, I mean the Expos. Uh, Never heard of them. Can I say I was listening to Tony and Austin today, and uh, I like Austin's version of justice for the Astros. That. Uh, <laughs> What is, what is, does he want them uh, drawn and quartered? No, 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 no. That uh, uh, one single member of the team before every game has to just <laughs> stand there and get beaned by a pitch from the oh, other that, team. Well, that's going to happen. Anyway. That'll be the ceremonial opening pitch. That, right. that, that's going to happen every game. I know. So you might as well get it out of the way. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder when when it's going to wear off. Well, see, it's how severe is the reaction going to be from Major League Baseball? Because if suspensions start hitting and those sorts of things, you know, how how much of a deterrent will that be? And, and the great irony is they're they're throwing at the Astros because the Major League Baseball did not punish the players, right? And then you'd step in and well, punish. See, this is like fighting in hockey. You know, the high sticking happens, and so you got to police yourself. And so that's what the Major League Baseball will do. The pitchers will go after the Strohs if the commissioner doesn't step in and do something about this. So, you know, so it's going to be justice will be applied one way or the other. So that's not really an argument in your favor, because if you just call the high sticking to begin with, then there's, (laughs) you know. Yeah, but you can't. There's a rule against it. You You can't. It happens anyway. I mean, the refs can't see it all. That's the reason you have enforcers. That's that's why you you fist fight a guy. Uh, You know, it's kind of like somebody cutting somebody else off in traffic, you know. It's going to happen, so you might as well let them, you know, fight it out. Well, no, because I don't want to see fights on the freeway. But on, on, you know, ice, you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Because it's all part of the game. Yes, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is part it's of the all game. part of the game. There's a lot of in major one league. league around the world. It's all part of the game. <laughs> There's a lot of major leaguers out there who believe that uh, you know a good hard uh, a bit of uh, chin music uh, is justified now and again. Don't be crowding my plate now, you know. And so now with the Strohs, the players themselves getting away with it, and uh, the the uh, management and uh, manager and and uh, you know the front office people paying the price, the players getting off scot free. Uh uh-uh. uh, that isn't going to fly with the players. So if the commissioner were smart, he would take matters into his own hands instead of leaving it to the the guys out on the field because it's going to be taken care of. You know what I want to see? 
And I don't know if you would uh, identify with this, Gordon. Did you, did you have a younger sibling? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, Austin. I know you had a younger younger sibling. I got four I, of them. So <clears throat> you were the leader of the pack. Oh, I was the oldest. I wasn't the leader. <laughs> so picking on a younger sibling. Yeah. Have you ever had the younger sibling respond like, "Okay, well, I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to, you know," and then they eventually reach their breaking point where <laughs> they just lose it. I, I think Austin, you know what I'm talking about, right, Gordon? I'm sure you do. You do. Sure. As well. Yeah. So I want to see them throw at Altuve every game until it becomes like funny and then he finally loses it right like come on guys seriously this isn't funny anymore Mom! yeah the problem, the problem with see. the younger siblings and maybe this happened with you austin is they grow up and sometimes they grow up to be a little bigger and stronger than you and so there is a come up and sooner or later in that situation as well. I have a friend who he was the youngest and or one of the youngest. He's the youngest brother and he got picked on a lot. Well, let's just say not anymore. Is he in jail? Yeah, no, you say he's, that with he's such just, a threatening tone. He, like he's, no, he's just the biggest, strongest in the bunch. And I don't think anybody's going to pick on him anymore. Let's just say no one's seen his older brother since. <laughs> no, it hasn't, it hasn't gotten to that. <laughs> he's swimming with the it, fishies. His alibi is a little shaky, you know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so. you said you let's said just say so. his parole officer knows better. Now, okay, Austin, Mr. Baseball, <laughs> if the commissioner doesn't do anything to the players, which he won't and hasn't and won't, okay, so he won't. So, how much leeway are you going to give other uh, teams to uh, to to administer their justice? Anything that's not at the head is fair game. Every at bat. Tony even, I like Tony's idea. Tony said, the first bean, it's a strike. <laughs> One. Well, when you say bean, that sounds like you are going after the head, isn't it? No, it's all, when you bean someone, it doesn't have to be in the head. I know, but it, it implies that, doesn't it? Mm, I know, I've never thought of it that way. Jake was a pitcher. I bet he threw a mean inside fastball. Uh, I don't think so. Fastballs were never really my thing, but <laughs> you were crafty. Pitcher? I did. I did hit more than my fair share, probably on did purpose. It? Uh no. He was like wild thing. No. Whatever. <laughs> Till he got his glasses, then <laughs> he could see the plate. See if it I, if he's not going to uh, punish the players, he needs to either say that the Astros only get two strikes and three balls per at bat. <laughs> Or they have to start each game with a six-run deficit, or that they have to uh, start the season with a 40-loss record, or that they get to be beamed one free shot per at-bat all season long that doesn't count as a ball or a strike. I think, I think the Astros, and I've, I've suggested this before, but I think it's particularly applicable with the, with the Astros. I think that it should be like dodgeball, not dodgeball, but like kickball where players can throw the ball at the base runners. And You've to, said this before, yeah. and it's, it wasn't a good idea. Then. I think it's a good idea now. Uh, one thing that uh, Austin and Tony were talking about, and we can kind of transition uh, into the jazz with this, uh, the, like people coming to games with signs and having those signs confiscated, and, and I guess somebody at the, the Astros game booed. And was removed? Yes. Was booing? It, uh, for booing? What? Yeah. Now, on the video, all that was there was the person was booing. I don't know what took place before the video, but that's what was on the video. That's un-American. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Americans boo. That's what we do. And even the sign. I mean, if you want to if you want to confiscate a sign because it's obscene, fine. If you want to confiscate a sign because you don't agree with the message, I mean, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we, this is the Kremlin? That's well. I mean, it depends on the next election, but yeah. Oh, Jake! <laughs> what? A bunch so, of comrades here. That you feeling the burn? Are you? It <laughs> was funny. All you it's feelings are burn. <laughs> it's in the news. Wow, nice, Austin. It's in the news. Come on. But anyway, point being, fans here at uh, at the arena last night were a little disgruntled. In fact, uh, there were a few boos there in the third quarter. I think, I think. Look, I think booing is completely on the table. When when a fan is displeased with what's going on, they're passionate. They care about the product. They care about the effort. They care about the, this key word that is floating around last night and straight on through today: commitment. They care about that. Why? Because they're committed. 
They're paying money, hard-earned money, to come watch this team play. They have poured their emotions into it. They want to see this team play at its best. And when it plays somewhere south of that on a on on, on a streak or a skid like this one that the Jazz are on, I, look, I, I don't have any problem with a fan expressing displeasure as long, you know, I mean, as long as it's it's not out of line. I don't want to see anything crazy going on, but a boo. Come on. So let's get to the Jazz. Uh, Buller's going to join us top of the 5 o'clock hour. Mannix uh, will be on with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Chris will be good on, good to have on today because uh, uh, not only we'll talk to him about the NBA, but we can get his thoughts on the uh, on the Tyson-Wilder fight as well because he was there covering it yeah. for Sports Illustrated and obviously one of the great boxing uh, journalists that, uh, that we have. So we'll get Chris's thoughts on that if we're going to see a rematch and uh, you know what? Uh, what that fight was it, like? Guaranteed. Oh yeah. Well, it, but the, it's the question is if the other fight to unify the heavyweight title would actually be a bigger payday. Well, there's always that. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's get to it. It's time for the split story of the day. Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day. On 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. Left shoulder into him, drop steps, turnaround jumper, no good. Rebound down to Bridges. Rubio on the push. Ricky's got eight assists already. Unguarded outside the three-point line. He just goes by Bogdanovich instead into a banker and scores and top to Javon Carter in for Rubio. Carter. Hesitation dribble. Kicks to the corner. Ubre catch and shoot three over Bogdanovich is good. 11 to 3 run by the Suns. They now have equal to their largest lead of the night of seven. 83-76. Rubio driving, having a fabulous night for the Suns. Working Bogdanovich. 17 points. Goes to the corner. Fires the three. And hits. It's Ricky's revenge. 112-94. Yeah, not good. Uh, your split story of the day, the Jazz lose to the Phoenix Suns 131-111 to at home. And uh, this game was tied at the half, Gordon. And I honestly thought, I, I really did, I thought, okay, well, the Jazz will come out, they'll have a good third quarter, and then they'll be comfortable and maybe even pull away a little bit in the fourth. And not only did they not do that, but that is exactly what Phoenix did. Yeah, 37-26 to 26 in the third. This uh, in this might have been uh, Ben Anderson on the post game was pretty uh, decisive about it, but this might have been the worst loss of the year. I mean, it was not good, especially on the tail end of two other losses that were less than inspiring for the Jazz. And so, in the, in the locker room last night, Jake, it was pretty. It was it was a very quiet, very quiet atmosphere. Well, it took the players forever to to come out it and make did. comment. I it mean. Did. I don't know what was going on back there, but that was somewhat unusual. I think disappointment is uh, is an understatement. Uh, I think that team, it's not like Quinn Snyder hasn't told these guys what they need to do. And so for them to go out and not do it, uh, uh, they were, and, and to Donovan Mitchell's credit and uh, Rudy Gobert, they were pointing the finger at themselves. They were, and, and saying that everybody had to, had to uh, start doing their part on the floor right now it's not happening and uh i wrote about it uh something's gone terribly wrong with the jazz uh something is going terribly wrong right now and this cannot remain this way those players need to get together with each other and say look guys we know what we need to do let's go out and do it and the commitment is the word i mean there is a lack of commitment right now yeah i the the problem is how much better can it get? I mean, well, I mean, has, you saw them. You saw them go nineteen of twenty one. I mean, it can get better. Oh, certainly can get better than this. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, remember what teams that streak was against? Yeah, but, but this was the Phoenix Suns last which night, which seems less relevant at the moment. I I grant you, but I mean, speed is an issue on this team. Size is an issue on this team. Both both things are a problem when it comes to playing defense. It, toughness, it, toughness is is an issue, and and maybe toughness is something that they can they can overcome and bring back to the table. The problem they have right now, Gordon, and and you've been uh, you've been on to this for a while now, and I mean most of the season. The problem with the perimeter defense, and we were chatting about this, you, Ben, and I were sitting around uh, watching the game in the studio last night, 
if you can beat your guy and you actually don't need a pick when playing against the Utah Jazz. So you old school Miami Heat with LeBron one on one ISO basketball still remains the easiest way to win a basketball game in the NBA because my guy is going to beat your guy and it's going to happen more consistently. Uh, and right now the Jazz the, if you bring if you're playing against the Utah Jazz and you bring a pick to the ball Gordon who else comes with that pick? Rudy and so all of a sudden, Rudy, this unbelievable defender, is actually part of what's going on, and that's usually bad news for the offensive team. Well, if you can beat your guy one-on-one without using a pick and you can just put the guy Rudy's guarding to stand off in the crowd somewhere having a hot dog, <laughs> and you can beat your guy, well, the Jazz help defense right now is, is non-existent, and they're getting nothing but layups or creating open shots for for good shooters. What word would you use to describe uh, the offensive players you've seen over the past three games, Jake? There's a word that comes to my mind. I see what you think of it. It's easy. It yeah. looks easy for the opponents to score. I would totally agree with that. Or or lacking resistance. Or, or I think most people get the picture you're trying to paint right there. I mean, it's not... Teams are getting to their spots. That's something else that we hear a lot. Well, and Quinn talks a lot about playing with force, and you can see it when when a team doesn't apply pressure defensively, and doesn't the timing is knocked off as far as bringing help. It it's so obvious to see. You can see it. Anybody can see it. I don't care how much basketball you watch. It's easy to see, and this is something that is plaguing the Jazz right now, and they know it. Yeah. And they know they got to do something about it. Donovan was very strong last night. He said, if we keep playing like this, we'll be done before May. I, and I don't think he's wrong. And David made an interesting point today, uh, earlier today on the station. David Locke did, and I think he's 100% right. If, you know, Donovan has 38 and the Jazz still get smoked last night. Mm-hmm. If you take Rudy out of the equation, even with Donovan playing like that, and he was really good at times, it was just too little too late. Then you can the Jazz are extraordinarily average. I mean, if you take Rudy out of the game offensively, which teams have figured out how to do, because you just play below him and you stay between he and the basket, and he really struggles. And if you can take him away defensively by basically taking him out of the paint, then the Jazz are an average basketball team. We've talked about it forever, right? How important Rudy is. Well, you figure out a way to neutralize Rudy. And the Jazz have a tough time doing what they do. Sometimes the Jazz have been able to put their offense together so that it looks like a thing of beauty. And then when they score those baskets, uh, they they seem more committed defensively. Now, when they don't make those shots, some of them, or they turn the ball over, and there were 20 of those last night, Jake, led to like 27 points for the Suns, uh, it's their defense crumbles. It's like it should be the opposite. The defense, when the offense, when the ball's not going through the basket, and that happens to all teams, your defense better be able to step up to help you get through those stretches. And what I'm seeing now is, if the Jazz miss some shots, the defense suffers too. It's like a double whammy. And that's a mental thing. And you heard Quinn talk about transition defense and some of the players. I, I, I mean, he said first thing you got to do is run back on defense. Well, that's pretty basic. Well, you'd think so, which is why I actually, uh, Gordon, I think that this is the biggest challenge in Quinn Snyder's Jazz career by far. What's going on with this team? Because he's got to do twofold. He's got to get his team ready to play. So he's got to figure out some things on the psychological side. Yeah, like you said, you got the Celtics coming in tomorrow night. Yeah. And then the other side is he's got to figure out how teams have adjusted to him and yeah. have adjusted to the Jazz. And the Celtics are a brutal team to do that against. Brutal. And so, uh, you know, this is this is a big challenge for Coach Schneider because he doesn't have – he has real expectations and – Historically, his teams have been really, hey, guys, let's go show them. Everybody get behind me, team on three, team on three, Uh right? We're a plucky bunch of – we're the mighty ducks, and we're going to go beat those hawks. And they're not the mighty ducks anymore. They've got tons of talent. they got enough talent to finish in the top part of the Western Conference bar, you know, at very least, if they pull in the right direction. As so many pundits out there have noted, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen them play that well. 
And to, to have it go this badly is alarming because it's you're you're showing your capability at the bottom as well. Would you put the ball in uh, Mike Conley's hands? Because it seems like that adjustment is still sort of lurching a bit. Would you would you change it up a little? Let him direct the offense. Um. See. Well, how tight of a corner do you think the Jazz have painted themselves in? Because because let me ask it to you this way: when uh, when Brock Mendenhall, remember when he brought back Robert and I, and Robert was bringing uh, Rich Rods, uh, mm-hmm. go fast, go hard, you know, whatever system. It, the BYU had to go that direction all the way. They recruited different type of linemen. They recruited different players. I mean, even the defense had to adjust because they were on the field so much, and it was really buying into that system and buying into Taysom Hill, and it you know worked out. But they, there was no going back on that. I guess is is my point. Are the Jazz at that point with Conley, where you're paying him enough money and you've invested enough into him that you really you you have to play him, you have to make it work. Well, it just because because like if that's true, then then you got to do it. But if you feel like you can set him aside and risk losing him and I'm not saying losing him like leaving free agency but losing him like he's no longer a, a positive contributor on the team mm-hmm. on the floor and off you know can you risk doing that or do you have to do you have to are you so far down the road it's basically Mike Conley or nothing I don't know I don't know the answer to that uh, all I know is that there is duplication as far as, okay, Donovan Mitchell can trigger the offense, Mike Conley can trigger the offense, Joe Ingles can trigger the offense, and then do you go into the blender, do you go into the passing, uh, or, or do you let Mike Conley handle the ball and run the attack and sort of read the, the uh, defense and do some things to make him more effective? I don't know. I'm just tossing it out there because you and have, have talked a lot about this, and I – I agree with you that the Mike Conley issue in the final 25 games is the biggest issue. That and the perimeter defense; those two things have to there's there have to be answers found to those questions, and solutions have to come, or else this this Jazz season will end. Uh, in disappointment. I don't think they can get through the first round of the playoffs. I think they will qualify for the playoffs either way, but they won't get through the first round if they don't get those things put in order. Oh, I definitely agree with that. No doubt about it. All right, so we'll get to it all. We'll talk about the Jazz a lot today. You can uh, tweet at us at Jake Scott Zone at Gordon Monson if you want to uh, leave us an open mic. Use the open mic feature on the Zone Sports yeah. Network app. Let us know what you think as Jazz fans out there because it's this is a, a tough, unexpected stretch. There's no doubt about it. All right, joining us now in studio, our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. What is up, Andrew? How's good to going, see you, guys? buddy. You too. Things good? Things are great. Yeah, things are great. You know, uh, I always say this, but I, I'm always so jealous because you just get to, an excuse to wear scrubs that's everywhere, right. regardless of the time in of year. In my PJs all day long. I know, it's pretty do you, sweet. Do you wear scrubs at home? I, well, I go home and I don't change, so. <laughs> Would you change, Gordon? <laughs> I mean, he looks pretty comfortable. I know, he? that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. all day long, you, all you have day, an excuse to be day. like, hey, this is this is what I do. Yep. Uh, but that's, uh, of course, what you also do is help our listeners, uh, you know, tackle a, a something that a lot of our listeners are, are uh, dealing with. Yeah, a lot of guys dealing with ED, and a lot of guys that listen to this station come into the clinic every day. Um, they're struggling with erectile dysfunction, young and old guys that have uh, prostate issues diabetes all kinds of history that has led them to this position um we have seen a very high success rate in reversing erectile dysfunction without the use of medication which is that's what's so attractive to this really uh nobody wants to take a pill everybody wants to get a natural and spontaneous result in the bedroom um and we've seen we've seen great things typically a guy would do a few treatments over two to three weeks this is non-invasive it's a device that's placed on the skin in our clinic and it opens up and regrows blood vessels so literally we're clearing out the plumbing in this part of the body and can get that blood flow going when you want it where you want it so just uh you know to kind of put the the timing in people's minds i mean you could be back to normal let's say by ncaa tournament time. Yeah, that's right yeah you, you really could two yeah. to three weeks from now i mean i had a 76 year old who was seeing satisfactory results within a week of starting 
and he was 76. Wow. So if you're out there and you're struggling with ED, things aren't you know what you want them to be in the bedroom. It can happen very quickly. You can get rid of the pill. You can get rid of the injections. You don't have to worry about it anymore. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. And uh, you're taking care of our listeners uh, with a, a free uh, consultation with a doctor? We are. We do a lot for free. Um, this will be an exam, an analysis. Uh, it'll be a blood flow ultrasound. You can hear your blood flow if there's any blockages. Um, and that's totally free if you call us. I mean, just this morning we had a guy in who was taking some form of medication that was causing his ED. He elected not to go forward with the treatments and to go fix that issue. So there's a chance we can pinpoint this very easily. Call us, come in, get the information, and then you decide from there. 801-901-8000, Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. That's Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. More straight ahead on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Ken Pomeroy joins us from KenPom.com. We kind of knew going into that game that BYU was pretty good. So it wasn't like it was a huge upset. Seating-wise, it's probably a little more impactful. You know, the brackets I'm seeing that came out after that game are seeding BYU as a pretty solid sixth seed right now. So what needs to happen for that to be accomplished to get that sixth seed? Certainly, if you want to protect your seed, I think getting a win over St. Mary's, which would be another quality win, would do that. And you know, obviously beating Gonzaga, again, would bump them up even higher. But yeah, I think just winning those what seem to be their next two games would cement them, I think, as a six-seed. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Baseball startled, he struck out, took his car and drove away. Mm-hmm. Lost her little boy hitchhiked up to Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We've got a total request Tuesday, and today's theme is hope, whether it's there or not. Brought to you by uh, Live Nation uh, Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Up with hope, down with hope. Or the other way. Maybe you've totally lost hope. Talking about the Utah Jazz. You're saying down with hope? Maybe. I don't know. Some people, uh, you know, embrace hopelessness. Others do not. (laughs) You think some people feel comfortable in that place? Yeah, they're called Angels fans. At least we have a team that exists. That, Unlike ooh, Expos fans. Oh, hey. That is true. You're sort of rooting for a team that really isn't the team you, you're a fan of. You are they did both. so good that the whole country kicked them out. You're both just jealous that we did it. That we are on top <laughs> and we're looking down at both of you. You're just mad that I've uh, just You're a, a big Kurt Suzuki fan, aren't you? The biggest baseball fan that you know and my team is, is, that a, never is mind. on top of the world. <laughs> and Austin's Angels can't help but get out of their own way. Not my fault. Not my fault. And your Phillies, who cares how they're doing because you don't anyway? Yes, I do. I care when they're doing well. <laughs> You know, there's a line in my play that I talk about the Phillies, and I think of you every time. Is it really? What's the line? Oh, no, you have to come see it. We're going Saturday night, aren't we? You better hurry. Uh, Well, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I am. Correct. I've got the email to prove it. You, sir, you're in trouble. Well, uh, my wife tried to to do it, and she said she was having difficulty doing it. I thought, man, it's because it's the popularity of this show. It's just blowing up. I'm just saying I had a pretty easy time doing it, and it's me. So, well, Are you insulting my wife? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that I had a pretty easy time doing it, and it's me. Huh. How is that? It's a, you always, she was the you one always tried turn it. stuff she around. Are it. you she, insulting she Lisa? She you couldn't, always she couldn't do it. Oh, great. I'm just telling you that I did it, and it's me who can barely turn my own phone on, and I, I figured out a way to do it. That's all. All right. Well, Why are you discouraging people from going to Austin's play? Because there's only a few seats left, and I want one of them. I mean, you I've just only been one. You're not taking Lisa. No, both. I've of only us. been telling you since December. I know. I know, but like I said, this was two days, two or three days ago. She tried and she couldn't get through. I'll help her. 
Okay, well, maybe there was some firewall or something three days ago. I don't know. I'm just telling you that I opened up my phone today, got online, (laughs) selected a couple of seats, paid for them, bam, going to the show on Saturday. All right. Well, I I hope we... uh... We get one of the few, two of the few left. Yeah, so we're we're supporting Austin, which is uh, which is certainly a good thing. Anyway, hope. Do jazz fans have hope, or not? Um, I think from a talent level, and and honestly, if they put the pieces together, I mean, they're still capable of being a really good team. The the alarming part about this, Gordon, is what pieces are not together, and how easy is that? Because this is the, this locker room is different. Than well, locker rooms in years past, and and people are suggesting on uh, on Twitter, you know, fans are are talking about leadership, and I've talked about how one of the closest storylines I'm I'm trying to pay attention this year is the evolution of Donovan Mitchell as a leader. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is a new challenge for him, it's a new challenge for him, and he's got to be the guy. He really does. I don't think it can be Rudy. I don't think you know. I ever I know everybody loves Joe Ingles. I don't think it can be Joe. It's got to be Donovan. He's got to be the one so setting what, the standard, creating the culture, right. and holding people accountable. So, so what? Uh, how would you suggest that be done? What does he need to do? Obviously, last night he scored 38 points. Uh, he got beat on defense a number of times. What What does he need to do in order to make that put that into effect? Well, there's this great ropes course out at uh, Camp Whatever. <laughs> going to go um, climb a mountain together? One of those. I mean, that's an impossible question for me to answer because I don't have all the uh, uh, nearly all the information. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things he's done. I've I've been impressed with after a tough loss. He went out and got shots up. I mean, he's talking about defense and accountability on defense after every single game. I know saying it and doing it are two different things, but at least he's trying to send the right message. But he, I, I truly believe it. I think he's got to be the guy. He's got to figure out a way to to make Mike Conley work every bit as much as, as Quinn Snyder does. And so, I, I mean, I don't think anybody How else How does is he a, do that? Does he do that by relinquishing control of the ball? Maybe, but I don't think that does the team any favors either. I think he gets that. He's got to be the number one guy. And if others don't get that, then that's the problem that he's got to tackle. And maybe this goes back to an argument that that we've been having for two years now and that Donovan Mitchell is the, the point guard of this team. Well, he certainly is in the fourth quarter. And I, I know we like to, you know, I, I talk about as much as anybody that Joe Ingles is a good playmaker, and Mike Conley's been a great point guard in this in this league for over a decade. But, I mean, who who do who, – the ball needs to be in Donovan's hands, and then you got to figure it out. The problem with this discussion is that it is multifaceted at the defensive end. It's not one guy rallying the troops saying, come on, guys. It's everyone, because if there's one breakdown, it seems like teams are finding it against the Jazz. Well, I Too often there's two or three breakdowns, but they have to do it collectively. Uh, I don't think, uh, I mean, maybe if you have a leader who can rally everybody and get everybody doing the right thing, but right now it seems like half the guys on the defensive end are making mistakes. Yeah, and mistakes are an issue. I, I still, I've been telling you this for a while now, I still think size is an issue. You know, when Mike Conley is, is not in the lineup, you know, people talk about what the difference is between then and now. Well, you have one six foot or six foot one or less guy in your lineup instead of two. I still think that Donovan Mitchell is taller than six feet. He's six one. He looks taller than that. Well, I mean, I stood next to him last night. He's got a giant wingspan, which really helps. But he's six one without shoes on. Right. But the, the but point I is, there's last night, and he looks like he's a good six two to me, at least. Well, I mean, if it comes down to the NBA's official measurement or <laughs> Gordon Monson's eyeball test, <laughs> I don't know about you, Austin. <laughs> but I'm going with Gordon Monson's eyeball test. Of course, oh, yeah. 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 who wouldn't? No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who needs a measuring tape? Okay, so if size is the issue, then how do you fix that? Growth hormone? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. These are the. That's why making making it work with my con. Honestly, I think a lineup change probably is in our near future. I don't know if Joe goes back to the bench and you you move Royce into the starting lineup, but the you know Quinn Snyder's got to do something. And simply kicking butts in the locker room doesn't appear to be working. And I think that's 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 another issue is because effort's been a problem. 
Do you think it's all about? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Do you think it's about other teams making adjustments based off what the Jazz are known to do, or do you think it runs deeper than that? That there's a there's a, a mental issue here that guys are not uh, on top of their games the way they need to be. Because there are always adjustments. I mean, adjustments go on all the time. So all of us, many of us have been saying, yeah, teams are the words out about what, how, how to uh, cause problems for the Jazz. But, I mean, these things, it's, it's not like this is some sort of revolutionary thing that no one had thought of before. I mean, it, it, it seems as though the Jazz have been able to win 36 games. You know, I mean, they found ways to win. And so I think that's the hopeful thing. That the track record is there, that they are that they are capable of winning, but I think that's a great indictment. I mean, if you're capable of winning and you don't, then what does that say about your team? You know, that they're not focused and not trying hard, which are two things that are certainly happening. And, but- and, and jazz fans have always appreciated jazz teams that are out there diving for loose balls, working their butts off, doing everything they can to to, to win. Even the teams over the past number of years. The last three years they made the playoffs, but I mean, even the teams before that, it, it seems like that is at the core of what Jazz fans want to see. Sure, they want to see their team win. I mean, that, is, that goes without saying, but they love when that team is out there busting its hump. And, and this team right now looks more baffled than determined. I mean, the, the game plan stuff is real, though. I mean, teams taking away Rudy Gobert, finding ways to, to limit his impact, that's a real thing. But do you really think that it's impossible for Rudy to score when there's a man between him and the basket? Impossible? Why, well, why mean, are you using I mean, a word you, like that? Uh, do you think that it, it, he can't figure out a way to go up over someone? How many times did Robert Covington block Rudy's shot? Three. Yeah. That's a block, <laughs> let alone that their teams are just creaming him. I mean, they're just fouling the crap out of him. And that sometimes is coming up in, in steals and strips because the, the ref swallows his whistle and Rudy's not quite strong enough in the hands to, to hang on to that. Sometimes they, they blow the whistle and he gets a couple of free throws, but that's uh, another <clears throat> risk teams are willing to take because it's better than a dunk. I mean, teams are just taking away uh, Rudy's. They're just not giving him an automatic two. That's, so the, whole, you, that's you, the whole idea. And, and it's working a lot. And undersized guys are being effective guarding Rudy Gobert. Yeah. It's happening because yeah. they're between he and the basket, and he doesn't have a way to negotiate that yet. So what do you what do you do? You have to honestly stop forcing it to Rudy, which of course makes Rudy grumpy because but, Rudy wants the ball and has been less than quiet about that fact. But shouldn't ball movement be able to loosen things up for Rudy and then bring the ball back to him? How so? Well, if you move the ball around and Rudy positions himself in an advantageous place on the floor where he can turn and lay the ball in or dunk, I mean, that seems like that would be possible. That's the whole point, isn't it? Mm, I don't know how possible that really is. I mean, Rudy's not a post guy. Yeah, but we've seen him do enough around the basket. I mean, he's not a complete stiff down there. Well, he's I'm, not going to. I'm not, not Kevin, sitting here trying. Kevin McHale. I mean, I get that, but it seems like if they move the ball, then uh, Rudy positions himself, especially against a smaller guy. He might be able to move himself down near the basket where he can turn and dunk. And then there's passes through traffic. I mean, there's all, and, and you're you're also ignoring the fact that Rudy can only catch passes and finish when they're above his shoulders, basically. And once hands get in there, it's a different story. I mean, and there are honestly, a lot of if, if you could, that, if, that's really plaguing. That if Quinn Snyder could just say, "Hey, Rudy, go pin your guy," and we're going to throw you the ball on every possession, I'm sure they'd do that. But I don't think that that's happening for a variety of reasons. And just simply saying, moving the ball. I mean, this Rudy gets open through the pick and roll. That's Rudy's play. I mean, that's 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 how he does it. And then he gets the ball when nobody's between he and the basket. He catches it high where only he can he can get it and yeah. he dunks. I yeah. mean, that's. That's Rudy on offense. And it, last year was incredibly effective, and now teams are, are guarding it differently, including Houston last year in the playoffs, which is part of the reason Rudy didn't have a very good playoff. But we keep talking about the offensive end. It's really the defensive end where the real problem is, in my opinion. Yeah, there are problems all over the place. But the, the defense is the worst of the bunch. But they're, they're totally related. 
because if you can get away with playing small against Rudy Gobert Gobert defensively, then you've got a small guy offensively, and Rudy's not in the paint. And then the Jazz, uh, you know, guards and, and wings are so bad on defense that teams are just abusing them and beating their guy one-on-one, and then if the Jazz help, they're hitting an open three. If they don't, they get an open layup or a dunk. And you don't think it is possible for the Jazz to maneuver the offense so that Rudy can get the ball in that advantageous position to take advantage of a guy who's four or five inches shorter than he is? I know it sounds ridiculous to say that, Gordon, but it ain't happening. So, so what do you, what do you want from me? You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that the coaching staff is dumb. I mean, because it, it that that's a pretty obvious point, right? Hey, Rudy's really tall. That guy isn't. So, you know, just like a Chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, just give it to him really high and let him put it in the basket. I mean, I, I got it. And then one day he'll pick up the drinking fountain and throw it through the. But they, but they force it to Rudy, and Robert Covington has three block shots. Including one where he stuffed Rudy on a dunk and they came down together for a jumped ball. Hmm. Well, I mean, shouldn't shouldn't Rudy be able to dunk through Robert Covington? Shouldn't he be able to just tear his head off and dunk it with the basketball? You would think so. But that's not what's happening. Yeah. Three block shots or a bunch of fouls or strips because the ref is like, well, I'm not gonna, I don't feel like calling it today, so I'm not. So are you suggesting the refs are screwing the Jazz? Uh, just like R.C. Buford's kid, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, maybe we should play that again sometime. No, today. I think I think refs are terrible. <laughs> I think they're terrible. They see a big guy and they think, well, you should be tougher than that. Yeah, I mean, the guy pulled your arm clean out of his socket. But you know what? You're 7'3". You're fine. And I've heard it said by some coaches that – Smaller guys are penalized for fouling bigger guys, so I've heard it argued both ways. That seems like hogwash to me, but <laughs> oh, good. you know, James Harden gets breathed on and he falls over. You know, I know, I know. it's bastardizing the game. Rudy, all he's trying to do is catch and pivot, and and seriously, he's got three dudes with both <laughs> hands just, uh, you know, punching everything uh, uh, from the waist up. Basketball is really getting to the point where it's almost like uh, synchronized swimming or diving. How so? Because everything is so dependent on the judgment of the guy with the whistle in his mouth. I see. Want to remind you to join Scotty and Hans coming up on Wednesday. That'd be tomorrow from noon to three at Ken Garf West Valley, forty-one seventy-five West, thirty-five hundred South. We'll have more for you straight ahead. Chris Mannix, uh, top of the four o'clock hour, bowler at five. Throw out the high score and the low score. 975 and 1280 the zone. Three, two, one. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Incriminating audio. BYU loses by 30 or more to Gonzaga, or I give you incriminating audio. Well, what's it going to be? What miserable thing am I going to have to hear for the next 30 years? What do you like here, Adrian? I'm going with pet name. That's my that's my vote. You're okay to just it seems like it bothers you a lot. To just admit that Jake Scott's better at this than you guys? (laughs) Sure. Okay. No qualms on this side. All right. Well, Whitney's pet name for me is Tony. Beautiful. Like well, Whitney's pet name the... for me is Tony. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm in trouble at home, too. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 of the zone. Want to remind you, purchase a Ford Fan Zone. All you can eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 a ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone. All you can eat tickets now. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up at the top of the four o'clock hour. Bowler is going to join us at the top of the five o'clock hour. You mean business now? I can tell because you turned your cap around. 
Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't mean anything. I, my cap just got turned around. That's... <laughs> Is that still a sign of disrespect to older folks? You know, people was it ever a, a sign? Yeah. A sign of what do you mean? A sign of disrespect that people thought wearing your cap you backwards mean, was somehow a, those kids in their yeah. rhinestone <laughs> bell bottoms and their backwards <laughs> caps. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, where did that stem from? Uh, I think it was when uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was uh, doing that. You know, with his hat. Ken backwards. Griffey started the backwards hat trend, huh? Beats me. As a protest towards the older generation. Yeah, and and by the way, was he viewed as some sort of James Dean-like counterculture figure? Ken Griffey Jr. was like your all-American ball player. Have you never heard that before? What? You have never heard that some people had a problem with uh, wearing the cap backward? This I is the first time having a problem. anybody has ever brought that notion to your mind. Having a problem with it? Kind of. Austin? Now, I know older people that probably did have a problem with it, but I don't think that people turn their hat around to say, take that, older boomers. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that that's what they did. I, ah. I just am saying that some people had a problem with it. Now, how My come- grandpa never let us wear a hat in the house. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I've heard that one. You take off your hat indoors. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard that one. Uh, but if it was such a, like a counterculture thing, why is why is it not against the honor code? <laughs> They're loosening things up down there. Because hippies had beards, and beards are against the, the honor code, right? You know, if hippies were wearing their hat backwards, would... would Probably. You have a, a hat backwards honor code rule down there? You go do that at UVU, young man. So what? What at what point would, at what point would backwards hats have been a sign of rebellion? A sign of rebellion. Hmm. I don't know, but I need some backing on this because you guys don't believe me. But there were people who who had a problem with that. That's an authentic major league hat, though. I mean, that's impressive. You must have paid a pretty penny for that. Was that impressive? I don't know. It just costs more. Uh. It all it all comes back to status with you. No, I'm just, it just saying it that's does. It all you're it the all one comes with the back. Hat, not me. Jeez, it all comes back saying. to status. It it always does. I mean, no. I'm sorry, Gordon. We can't all afford, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute, the, the I just stealth said... bomber to drive to work. <laughs> Boy, did you turn that around? What? Not only did you turn the cap around, you turned that. I was saying that you're you had an authentic Major League Baseball Walgreens uh, drugstore hat on. It's the Washington Nationals, Gordon. We won. Joining us now in studio, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, Andrew, where are you at on... Have you ever heard that, that uh, people wearing their hat backwards? It seems like my grandpa or somebody used to not like that. Like, like... (laughs) See? Uh, this is like, sound, turn sounding your, familiar. Okay, yeah. like so, turn your hat around, young fella. <laughs> yeah. That that kind of thing. Wear that hat properly. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I'm sorry, Gordon. I'm not trying to disrespect you here. I just put my hat back on. <laughs> I just noticed that you did that. I wasn't complaining about it. In All fact, right. that's a good look that way. Have you noticed how Andrew more and more as he comes in here more often that he's he's been cast as referee in our <laughs> in, in I've our discussions? A lot of fights. Yeah. Have you noticed that? that <laughs> get rid of the scrubs and wear a referee yeah, shirt. Yeah, whistle. You know? Andrew just sits down and decides. And I like it how both you and I usually are like, all right, well, that's it. Well, Andrew decided. <laughs> we're all right Andrew seems like a very, uh, you know, He's wise. a level-headed guy. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And he helps our listeners, of that's course, right. uh, and, uh, you know, uh, has helped a lot of our listeners out there, Andrew. And yep. people need to kind of know that you're not alone when dealing with this sort of thing. Lots of folks do. Yeah, if you've got ED, um, you're not alone. That is for sure. We see guys every day in their 20s, 30s, 40s, all the way up into their 90s. Um, erectile dysfunction can strike anybody. It kills a relationship, wreaks havoc on these relationships. What we've seen is that guys don't do anything about it. Um, they let the problem get worse. They medicate it a little bit. That's a Band-Aid. Um, they deal with horrendous side effects when it comes to those pills. And when the problem finally gets so bad, they maybe do something when it's, you know, function goes to zero. We have a new treatment that can reverse that whole process. It can get you back to natural spontaneity. It's called acoustic wave therapy. Uh, FDA-cleared device that regrows blood vessels using a process called neovascularization. 
kind of like breaking down a muscle in the gym and building it up stronger. That's what we're doing. Um, and whatever blood flow you have to that area of the body, we can probably double it through this process. And you see candidates of all ages and all situations. Yeah. And you see everybody. All situations. If you're out there listening and you're not at zero, but you're noticing that it's headed to zero or you know it's headed in the wrong direction, you are an ideal candidate to stop that and to get it back to 100%. Um, that's the perfect situation. You can eliminate the pills. As far as I know, this is the only treatment that can fix erectile dysfunction without any form of medication. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. And for our listeners, you're going to give them a free consultation with a doctor, too, just to find out what's going on. Yeah, so many guys um, have questions. You're out there listening and wondering how many treatments and what is the cost and will my insurance participate? There's all these questions. Call us now. We'll do the initial exam analysis uh, totally free with our doctor. Um, he'll do a blood flow ultrasound to test your blood flow in this part of the body. It's totally free if you call us, and then you decide. Take the information, see if you're a good candidate for it. Will you even take patients that wear their hats backwards? We will take patients with their hat backwards. Probably of all hat variety, <laughs> really. You know, you got a non-factor. Got a bucket Anybody. hat going? Come on in. You know, whatever you got to do. Flat cap. Yeah, they'll see you. Eight zero one nine zero one eight thousand. Eight zero one nine zero one eight thousand. Thanks, Thank Andrew. you guys. All right, we'll have more straight ahead. Chris Mannix joins us. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Tim Lacombe, Senior Night, Paz, and all those guys that had fought so hard for that program for so many years to be able to play Gonzaga and play that well. I mean, what were your emotions knowing these guys so personally watching that game? I was so anxious. It was like I was there. And, you know, Zags made that big run, which you knew they were going to do. But I was just so impressed with the way DYU fought and clawed. And, and every single guy seems like made a play to help them win that game. I was so relieved when <laughs> game was over and they'd won. I'm not going to lie, I don't cry a lot, but you know, I had a few tears in my eyes to watch that environment and know what those guys have been doing and done for so many years, you know, to try to get that thing. It was really, really special. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.